0: Good afternoon everybody. Uh sorry it's a little late. I had uh, some some technical issues. That's why I've got this and using the phone. <laughs> uh so I hope that you are able to hear me well enough. Um we're having some issues with Facebook. They're not um not wanting to use my uh, my camera to stream from the computer. So uh, if uh this isn't working right and you're not getting the uh <clears throat> excuse me if you're not getting the audio I am recording the audio straight so we can go ahead and have that for later. But uh I want to say hi to everybody. I'm grateful that everybody came and and for anybody who listens later it, that doesn't uh, watch live, that's fine. Uh, You can uh, give us a thumbs up or a a comment or something. Let us know that you're out there and hopefully you'll hear something that helps you. Um, So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we can kind of get into this little thought here. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to come and speak the words that you've given me. I ask that you would take the words that you give me and let them breathe life into people and let it wake them up to the reality of who you are and that you really do love and care for us and that you are concerned with the things that go on in our lives and you are concerned for us and for our well-being. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus name, knowing that all who call on him will receive an answer. Amen. Okay, so today we are uh I uh, I woke up and and listened to Brother Jordan. And it's kind of funny. Uh, I haven't really talked to Brother Jordan a whole lot this week. It's in a couple of texts, but uh, he ended up preaching exactly uh on the thought and title that I have for today so <clears throat> if you if you listen to him and and you listen to me, then hopefully you'll you'll hear basically the same thing. I uh didn't have time to go and make something new, so I'm just gonna use this as confirmation that the Lord uh He wants this said. And uh so my title for today is Ichabod or The Men Without Spines. So uh we uh of going to touch on the same same issues here today, I think. So if you'll turn with me into first Samuel and chapter two, we're gonna look into this story because at this time, uh, it was a very special time in Israel. And when you read in Samuel, first Samuel, you'll see that when Uh, Samuel was growing up that the word of the Lord was precious in those days and there was no open vision so it kind of sounds to me like that whenever God talked it was almost secret and very uh, very rare but when something is a precious stone it's not precious because it's common you know, if if diamonds, you could go around and pick them up off the ground everywhere, like limestone, then uh, they wouldn't be worth as much as they are, you know. So we're looking in the condition of, of Israel at this time. And we're just noticing that There's some really rotten things that are going on, and God is not very pleased with Israel and the condition of the uh, church at the time. And it really kind of lays at the feet of three men. And most people will tell you it lays at the feet of two men, but really when you look at it, you see that uh, there's another one that could have done something, and he didn't. And you see the consequences of his inaction. So if you just look at uh, verse, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belal, and they knew not God. And this is really the preface of what is being started here, and really the root cause of all the problems in Israel So you see that these two sons of Eli, and we're going to learn their names, they were men that were in control of the temple, but they didn't know the Lord. And they did not do the things that the Lord wanted. They were eating the sacrifices. They were taking money from the people. And uh, later we find out they were doing some other things. So if you uh, skip down to verse uh, 22, we're going to see this third man's issue. It says, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of you evil dealings by this people, by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress." If one man sins against another the judge shall judge him but if a man sin against the Lord who shall entreat for him Notwithstanding they hearken not unto his voice for of their father for the Lord would slay them Now when we look at this we see that they didn't hearken unto father's voice not because the Lord was going to slay them because they knew that it's because the, the story is telling that the Lord was going to slay them he was going to take them out because they were given chances to correct their wrongdoings and you see here that they were even having relations with the women that assembled at the tabernacle. And all manner of uncleanness was going on in the temple. And it was all down to these two men and their father, Eli. Now, these two men were solely responsible for their actions, But the thing that I want to focus on and kind of look at here is Eli. Eli was their father, and Eli had uh, a responsibility for when they were growing up to bring them up in the right way. So when they were being brought up, something was off here, and Eli was not doing what he was supposed to be doing and when he got old he griped at him about it but you see he did nothing and they did not listen to him so when you come into a situation where the church of god and his people they are being led by men who refuse to do the right thing then we're in danger and you can see how it really affects the people and you know coming out of the things that we came out of i have always recognized that there were problems in the churches here the thing places that i would go to and people were constantly being mistreated and abused but nobody was ever really standing up and doing anything about it. And if someone would stand up and say something about it and bring it to the attention, it was immediately thought and told that this person was obviously in the wrong for saying anything. Because there's a problem... There's a thing in uh abusive relationships and abusive churches is that if you point out the problems you become the problem. And I don't know how many times I've been I've heard of people pointing to an issue and then they would hear uh well I'm I'm just a troublemaker. Well they're just troublemakers. They're causing trouble. They're rocking the boat. And really, when you look at someone who is rocking the boat, first of all, you have to find out, are they telling the truth? And most people will look at it and see that, okay, they're telling the truth. That's nice. Okay, we like that they're telling the truth, but we don't like what they say. So then it becomes very uh, difficult for people to stand with the truth. And so here in Samuel, you see how Eli is in this kind of situation where I can see that he would hear about his sons and he would throw it aside and say, oh, okay, well, whatever. Yeah, you're just a troublemaker. You're just an angry person. And later it would come about more people would come and talk to him and more people would come and talk to him. And then then he says, here he says, for I hear of your evil dealings by all this people, not just one here and one there, but there is a report that has gone out by many, many people that your dealings are bad and your conduct is terrible. And growing up and noticing things and hearing people's talking and their stories, I started to hear a theme. And when I would start to hear this theme, I started to notice things. And then when I started to notice things and say things, then I became the troublemaker, and I became the boat rocker. And all I was doing was noticing the problem. But you see, in systems where corrupt men are in control, anyone who points out the corruption, they are the problem. So I was watching all of these things unfold and I was seeing children being molested and, uh, seeing women being abused and children being abused quite, it was quite common to see children abused and no one was doing anything about it. No one was saying anything about it. No one was standing up and saying, uh, this is wrong. In fact, I would hear messages to the contrary that people would get up and say, "No, you have to stay with this person. You have to work it out. If you're a true Christian, you're going to make this work." You know, because and you would hear stupid things like a uh, a kind word turneth away wrath, like it's our our issue to make the ones that are abusing people, to make them feel good. This is not the case, and this is not the Bible. This is not how God wanted things to work in his church. So if we continue into verse 34... Between this time, you see that God has come and given a warning to Eli. And in verse 34, he says, And this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas. And one day they shall die, both of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest That shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. Now, when you look at this, you see that God has come and told Eli and said, Listen, we can't have this anymore. Because evil will only be allowed to rule for a season before God comes and he establishes a new priesthood. Just like when uh, Jesus came in Isaiah, it says, I, I come and do a new thing. I'm doing a new thing now. The old way is not working. The old way is not a way to salvation. So the new thing is the way to salvation. And the new thing is Jesus Christ. So here you see, and if you read this whole story, you'll see that the people that he's talking to, while all of this evil is going on, there's one young person that is paying attention to God and is looking at what is happening and he is a servant to God and he's been called by God and i think that it was it's very interesting that he was the young one and when i growing up in what i grew up in the young preachers were preached against the young people were not uh smart enough and they weren't they weren't able to be used by God so Whenever you look at this, you see that God has a people that he can use. And he picks young-minded, tender people. Because the young-minded can be used of God. The young-minded, and notice I say young-minded and not young people, because you can be an old person and have a young mind. When you have a young mind, your mind is open. It's like a sponge and it absorbs so many things. And when you're young minded in the Lord, you are ready to absorb whatever it is that He wants done and whatever it is He is saying. So, what He says to people, they do. And an old minded person, they're stuck in their ways. They've done it this way, they've done it this way, and they've done it this way until the time comes where they can't do it any other way. And when they are shown the error of that way, they, they rail against it because they can't do it any other way, because they've allowed their mind to grow old and not listen to God anymore. And I really liked what Brother Jordan had to say because he showed a picture of a rear-view mirror. And if you're focused on the rear-view mirror in your car, the picture in front of you, the road, is blurry. You, you're not focused on the road that's coming ahead. And what's going to happen? You're going to crash. Because if you're not watching the road, you're going to run into something. And it won't be good for you. So people with their old minds, are constantly looking back to old times. They're looking at how it was then and how it was this way and the power of God was such in this time. When the power of God is staring them in the face and is saying, I'm doing this now. Look at me. Look who I am being a part of here. Look who I'm speaking to. But an old-minded person won't look at that. So what happens here is this young-minded, young prophet, God says, I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart. He will do my will. And in my mind, so he, this young mind will know the mind of God. So when you look at the issue here in Samuel, it's
1: that they got complacent in the condition that they were
0: living in. So that when the time came that God would say, uh, we can't live this way no more. I'm not, I'm not being a part of this. You're not focused on me anymore. They continue to look at the rear view mirror. And let me tell you something about the rear view mirror. It's backward. It's distorted. When you look into a mirror, it's a reverse image, right? That's why when you see yourself on camera, you don't recognize yourself sometimes because you're so used to looking at that reversed image in the mirror. So if you're focused in the mirror, number one, you're not looking ahead, you're looking backward, and you're seeing the past in a distorted view. So a lot of these people that I grew up with were pointing to a man and saying, this is where God's glory was. Oh, it was such an amazing time then. And this man... It wasn't amazing. This man was nothing, really. So, also when you look in the rearview mirror, it is a very small picture. You're only focused on a certain section of the road behind you. So, when you're looking forward, There's a whole world out there in front of you that is going on. So we need to be Christians that are focused on what's happening now and what's coming down the road. So to be present in the now, we need to be present with God because God is not the God of the past. God is the God of the living. God is the God of now and of the future because there is hope in our future. There is life in our future. So, when you take this in the right perspective and you have a now relationship with God, you are having a true relationship with God. Because if you try to have a relationship with someone in the past and everything that you love about them, you talk and you talk to them and you pretend like it's in the past that they've never done anything good for you now, that you, all remember the days when we did this, remember the days you were so wonderful then, that person's going to get tired of being around you. They're going to start saying, yeah, but what am I doing now? What's good about me now?
1: And that's the same with God. So if we continue...
0: You read down this story, and you read in uh, chapter 3 and into 4, and we're going to move to chapter 4, 1 Samuel 4, and chapter 12, or verse 12, I'm sorry. And when we come to this, there's been a terrible thing that happened. They've gone out to war with the Philistines. And the Philistines are the big bad people in the Bible uh, for Israel at this time. Remember, the Philistines is where uh, Goliath came from. He was a Philistine. So, and this was before that time. So there was this great rivalry between the two nations, and the Philistines were really uh, godless barbarians that wanted to destroy Israel. <clears throat> so they've gone to war and Israel, they went to war and lost 4,000 men. And then they went back and got the Ark of the Covenant. And when they got the Ark of the Covenant, they looked at this as this is the glory of God. Because in times past, this was the glory of God. This is where God dwelt. And they thought that they could pull this relic. Uh, Brother Jordan used that word, and that's a perfect word. Pull this relic out. And say, because of the past, this will do what we want it to. But there is no power in religious relics. There is only power in a relationship with God. And to have a relationship with God, you must be looking and focusing on now and the future. You can remember the past and say, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. But now is the time you live in and you're always looking to the future. What's coming down the road. And I'm not saying we need to be prophets and, you know, predict the future or anything, but you should always look ahead. So they pulled this arc out of storage, basically. Because they, they didn't care about the glory of God at any other time except for when they wanted to go to battle. So they pull the ark out and they go to battle and it makes the, the Philistines really nervous. And they're you know, they know about the ark. It's like they've not done this before. This is the same God that, you know, destroyed Egypt and brought the plagues to Egypt. This is this is the same thing. What are we gonna do? Well, we read in the story, we find out that the Philistines fought even harder. And they killed 30,000 Israelites. And it says every man ran to his tent. They ran away from them. said, let's get out of here. The Philistines are on fire. Let's get out of here. And the Philistines take the ark. So the thing they feared becomes their possession. And I want to show you this because it 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 points to a very clear picture of the things that have gone on these recent years. And it says in verse twelve, it says, And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with the earth upon his head so if you've ever heard the term sackcloth and ashes this was a mourning ritual that they would wear sackcloth they would when they found had bad news they'd tear their clothes and they would take ashes and throw it on their head it was a sign of mourning. It was a sign that when you uh like when you read Job, that's what he did. He put on sackcloth and ashes, and he just, just showed that I'm I'm upset. So this man he was really upset. He tore his clothes open and he had the earth upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat. By the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all that city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old. And his eyes were dim so that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am come out of the army. And I fled to the, fled today out of the army. And he said what had been done. Where is my son? No, he says, what is there done, my son? Sorry, the type is low or small. And the messenger answered and said unto him, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he had mentioned the ark of God, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck break, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. So he was the judge of Israel. This was a very high position. This is the position that God set up before kings, and who God wanted to actually rule his people through because it was the judges that knew the will of God and spoke the will of God. But I want you to notice something here. In the story with Eli's sons, you see how their life had become very decadent. And they were eating the fat of the sacrifices and raw meat and all of these things and calling the people to come and do the stuff that they weren't supposed to be doing. And they were asking for money, too. And they were sleeping with the women out in front of the, the gate. And it was very well known. And people would come and they were talking
1: about this stuff. If you pay attention to what
0: Eli here, their father, notice that before we started this, I said this laid on three people, not just the two sons, but Eli also. If you look at how they describe Eli here, he was an old man. was 98, almost 100 years old. And he was very heavy. Now, it was not common for people in this time to be heavy people. I'm a heavy people. At that time, and especially in the Dark Ages, people got heavy because they were wealthy. And they were eating good food. And they were eating a lot of it and the uh, I think that they called gout the the uh, affliction of kings because to in order to get gout you had to be a king to eat that much rich food. So when you look at this, you see that Eli is not without fault here because he was partaking in at least we know he was partaking in the food offerings because he was a heavy old man. And also that he fell over and died. And we we see that he fell over and died not because of the news about his sons. He was expecting that, but that the ark had been taken. Now, I believe that there was inside of Eli... That he was a good man. That he understood the calling of God, and he had heard from God before. He had even done the will of God before. But he did not put God first. He put his sons first. And we see this because of the story and how his sons were allowed to act. Now we talk about, I talked about old men, and old brains, and old minds. When you have an old mind, like Eli's, I I love how God narrated this and said that he fell over and broke his neck. Well, the neck is a part of the spine. It's the part of the spine that, that isn't protected by other muscles and bones. And when you read the story of Eli, you start to recognize that the man was spineless. He had no courage to stand up to his family. And I was thinking about how many times have spineless old men allowed terrible things to happen to people, watched them, seen them, known that they were wrong, and did nothing. We can't be like that. If we see an injustice, we see something that's wrong, we need to stand up. We need to say so. I don't. I don't believe that a woman needs to stay with an abusive man. That was really a uh, <laughs> a, a new thought for some people. Really, she she shouldn't stay with a, an abusive man. Yeah, she shouldn't. She'd run. She needs to run away. Run for your life. I believe that women sh- or children should not be abused. And I believe that most everybody would agree with that. But why are there still so many abused children? Why are there so many churches where, when something happens and a child is brought out and it's told that this has happened? that they are not immediately sent to the police
1: and it's dealt with. Well, see, I grew up in
0: this thought that we were the only ones that knew the truth. We were the only ones who understood what God was really saying in the Bible. And that's a very dangerous thing because then even when somebody does wrong, people will call it mercy and say, well, we need to allow them to come because this is the only place they can get truth. We need to allow this child molester and this abusive human being to come to this church and be in the same congregation with those that he abused and those that he has mistreated because this is the only place he can get truth. And we can't throw him out completely. Not yet. This is what happens when you allow spineless men to be in control of the church. When someone is spineless, they don't want to be protective. They don't want to protect the weak. They don't want to stand up for anything. And they said, well, we've been standing for truth for 50 years. What truth? You stand for the truth of Branham, which was a lie. There's nothing good there. All the good that you thought was there is a lie. It was a hoax. So what truth do you stand for? Do you stand for the truth of God? Because if you don't, you you become those people in Romans chapter 1. It says, you took the truth of God and made it a lie. So you take the truth of God and make it into this thing that was Branham. Branham wasn't anything. Except a con man. And I know there's some people that would be really upset with me for saying that. But the truth of the matter is, that's the truth. And I'm not one of those people that's going to s- sit around and, you know, smooth it over. I don't have time for that. There, are, This is an emergency. There are people that are dying because people are not standing up and saying the truth. You say, oh, that's that's an overreaction. No, it's it's not an overreaction. It's not uh, an over-exaggeration either. There are people literally
1: dying in the truth.
0: Not only children are being molested, not only women are being abused, but old people that need to take medication to live are told that they do not have enough faith in God, so they must stop taking their medication to prove to God they have enough faith to be healed. And know what happens when old people don't take their medication? Well, old people take certain medications that are for very serious issues, like stroke, high blood pressure, heart attacks, that kind of thing. What happens when you have really, really high blood pressure and you're not taking your blood pressure medicine? and you're a high risk for stroke, and you're not taking your stroke medication. What happens? Nine times out of ten, you're going to have a stroke. Now, when God heals you, and I was thinking about this this week, the only time you should ever stop taking medication is when your doctor says you don't need it anymore. So when God heals you, You go to the doctor and the doctor says, there's no point for you to take this anymore. You don't have this problem anymore. Then you can stop taking your medication. Okay? But you're not going to listen to a preacher tell you to stop taking your medication because there are certain medications out there that people need to take. And if they're not on those medications, they can be a danger to themselves or others. That's an abuse. If you tell a person, stop taking your medication, and it's a life threatening illness that they have, and you don't have
1: any word from God, and they die, you're guilty of murder. It's plain and simple. Say, Jesse, this got really
0: dark. It's a very serious problem. It isn't just the people that talk bad about you. That's terrible. People shouldn't talk bad about each other, especially not children of God. Children of God don't talk bad about each other. It's not like in natural families where sometimes you just, you hate your brother because you, you know, they're annoying and you can be mean to them and whatever. That's not the family of God. That's not... The family of God is a supernatural family. Not a natural family. Yeah, you might have arguments and you might have disagreements. But you can have an argument and a disagreement with love stealing, still be there and no one gets injured and hurt. Jesse, you just say these things because you you're mad. No, I'm not mad. I'm angry. There's a difference. Yes, I'm angry. Well, that that just proves that you're not a good Christian, because Christians don't get angry. Well, if you read the Bible, there's a scripture that says, anger and sin not. So you can get angry. What's the sin part? The sin is the lying. The sin is the backbiting. The sin is the tail-bearing. But it's not bearing a tail if you're telling the truth, so you can be angry about what's going on and even look angry about what's going on and tell the truth and it's not a sin. say well, Jesse, you're just making excuses for yourself. I don't have to. The Bible made my excuse for me, and I don't have to
1: I don't have to worry about what you think. Essie,
0: that's not a nice attitude. Don't worry about what other people think.
1: Hmm.
0: No, you're you're just worried that I don't care what you think. I love you. Let's get that out right here, out in the open. I genuinely love you, all of you. And that's no lie. Because even though people mistreat me and have treated my family abysmally, and they treat my friends like garbage, I know a a certain truth that they're not aware of. That my battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities. It's a spiritual warfare. But I also recognize when there are people that have given themselves over to this spirit, where they live for that spirit in their life. And I also recognize that I don't have to be around that. Because God is concerned with my health just as much as he is concerned with everyone else's. If you are feeling oppressed, put down, not good enough for God, you need to think about finding someplace else. If I am making you feel like you're not good enough for God, then I'm not doing my job. And I'm not saying that anybody is worthy of, or, well, let me rephrase that. I'm not saying anyone should go to hell. I'm not saying anyone is someone that God despises. I'm saying there are actions that people take that are dangerous for people to be around. And I think that it's time that there should be a priesthood that stands up and knows the mind of God and
1: knows the work of God and does those things to because you know we looked at first Samuel
0: chapter two and verse thirty five, he says, and I will rise up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And you know what it is? It says he will build a sure house out of him and he shall walk before his anointed forever. What, what a faithful promise from God. If you will stand up and be faithful to the word of God and the spirit of God, the life of God, the character of God, if you are faithful to those things, then he will make you a great house, a strong, sure house a dwelling place that people can come to and find refuge. See, that's what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be a place for people with problems to find answers. It's not a place for people with superiority complexes to think they have all the answers. And to tell people that they're not good enough to know the answers. So, Well, if you don't believe Brother Branham, you weren't meant to believe Brother Branham. You know what? There's some truth in that. I wasn't meant to believe Brother Branham. I wasn't meant to believe a lie. And if you don't think what he did was a lie, do your own research. Go out there and look. I have held in my hands,
1: my own hands, Physical proof that the man was a fraud.
0: Say, well, that's tough. This isn't just the internet, okay? It's on the internet, but sometimes you look at the internet and you say, okay, well, that's this and that's that, and you know, anything can be said on the internet. But when you hold in your hand
1: the man's handwriting the physical evidence that this is the way he thought.
0: You can't ignore it. So let's stop looking at a distorted and disgusting past. And let's start looking to a glorious and faithful future with a priesthood that is willing to stand up for the right to protect the weak, to be a sure house, a stable place for people to find refuge, and that will walk in the anointing of God. I'm not perfect. This is a fact that I am keenly aware of. And I don't say these things this way to make people think that I am Better than anyone else. Because the truth is, and this is the truth, I did the same things. I compromised my own thoughts and beliefs to go along with the crowd. And that's something I'm very embarrassed about. Something I'm very mad at myself over. I gave in to thoughts about other people that came from people that I trusted without any proof, without any evidence. This is something I'm very disgusted at myself over. These are issues that I have with myself. But I am bound and determined that I will not do that again. If you want to come and tell me something bad about your brother, let me tell you something. You had better have talked to your brother and your brother be with you when you come and tell me about it. Because I'm not going to listen to you otherwise. I will not go against the scripture one more time. Well, you can trust me. I'm your brother. Yeah, I can trust you, but do it right. Get the word of God and bring it right. Maybe your brother did do something that wasn't right, but you need to go talk to him about it. I can't help you. And if he don't listen to you, then then come and, and bring a witness. And then if he still don't hear it, and he is wrong, then we bring it before the church. And then... You treat him as an unbeliever, if that is the truth. But you have to follow the biblical guidelines. If you're going to believe the Bible, you need to do what's in it. And this was the thing that I recognized, that even if everything that William Branham said was true, and everything that Raymond Jackson did was right, even if that were the case, you're still not following it. You're still not doing the right thing because you make up your own rules. You make up your own way of doing things. You make up your own hypocritical system where I can do these things and the people I care for and like, they can get away with anything. But if I don't like you, then you're, you're never going to be good enough because I don't like you. And you know who else did that? The Pharisees. Because they looked at the very Son of God, and they crucified Him because He wasn't good enough. He didn't fit their picture. And I tell you, if you have been in this situation where people have said that you are not good enough, and you feel that you're not good enough, well, you know what? You should feel all right, because Jesus wasn't good enough for these people either. And he's still not because they still smack his grace. They still make his truth a lie and say, oh, God is love and mock the profundity of his mercy. Don't be in those shoes. What did, what did Jesus tell the disciples? If they hear you, let your blessing be upon their house. But if the city rejects you, shake the dust off your feet and go on. Shake the dust off your feet. Do you know what that really means? It means you don't want any tiny little part of that left over in your life. Shake it off. Get rid of it. Why? Because God is getting ready to judge it. And you don't want any part in it. You don't want to be corrupted by any leftovers out of a city that rejected God. And I want to take you to verse 19 in First Samuel. And I want to show you something because I said this many, many years ago. And I was criticized for it. And that's fine. You know, I've I've learned that uh, criticisms and rejection from people don't really matter all that much. They're not going to change who I am. They're not going to change what I do. You're not going to make me stand for anything other than God. And really... What you're doing is you're building a case against yourself. When you come to me and tell me that I'm not worth anything, I'll agree with you. I'm not worth anything. But to tell me that God doesn't love me and he's not willing to overlook my worthlessness, I won't believe that. Because God himself told me a different story. And it wasn't some great... Audible revelation that came to me. No, it was sitting right here in this book I call the Bible. And everybody else calls it the Bible too. And if you want to read about it, you can read the Bible. And God will tell you the same thing. Yeah, you're not worthy, but your sin is forgiven
1: if you believe on Jesus. I like what Brother Jordan
0: said today. I don't have the 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 fancy PowerPoint stuff working yet. I still don't have my camera set up the way I want it to be, but uh, I liked what he what he had to say about this guy who said there should be a sign over some churches it says here dwelleth the spirit of Ichabod, the glory of the Lord hath departed, and he had a sign up and says sorry we're dead. You know that's the truth. You walk into some churches and you can just feel death, spiritual death. It just oozes out of every corner. And you know what happens if you stay in a dead church? You die. They'll either kick you out or kill you. They'll either conform you to be dead like them, or they will see that life dwells in you, and we can't have that in a dead church. And that'll make you leave. Oh, so they didn't get up from the pulpit and actually kick you out? Did they make your life miserable the whole time you were there until you left? Yeah, that's called kicking you out. Don't don't let them fool you. Oh, we never kick anybody out. We just make their life miserable so they leave. It's their choice. They could they could stay if they want to. Yeah. But I want to I want to point to this last bit of this picture here. It says and his daughter-in-law, we're talking about Eli's daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife was with child, near to be delivered, and when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law, her husband of and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. What does that mean? She got, you know, she got so upset and stressed out that the baby came. And about the time of her death, she didn't make it either. The woman that stood by her said unto her, fear not, thou hast borne a son. And she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod saying, the glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and of her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. Ichabod, the glory of God is departed. And I have seen that spirit come into churches And it's a sad, sad thing because it starts to corrupt the lives of other people. They start to think that spiritual death is normal. When we serve a God of the living, we serve a God that makes miracles, a God that heals people legitimately. And it isn't up to how much faith they have. Yeah, you have to believe God. But I'm reminded of a woman who got healed in my presence. And the first thing she said is, I don't believe it. Well, then she, she, did she lose her healing? No, she's still healed. As far as I know. God doesn't care when he heals you. He don't care if you believe him or not. I did it, whatever. That's like, that's like saying to people that live on this earth, They say, they're atheists. I don't believe in God. God doesn't care if you believe in him or not. He still made the thing you live on. He's not going to take that away from you right now. I mean, later he will. But that's their choice. So don't be be crazy. But listen, the Spirit of God, the glory of God, hath departed Israel because the ark of God was taken. The ark of God was the promise, the miracles, where his glory resided. It was taken from them.
1: And how was it taken? Because spineless men did nothing. You understand what I'm saying to you? If you see something
0: that's wrong... That people are being mistreated. And you know in your heart, this is wrong.
1: Say something. Stand up. Get your spine in. People that are weak, they need strong people to stand with them. You say, I I don't know that I have the strength. I didn't either. I never thought of myself as a strong person. But I got fed up
0: and I got tired of sitting by and watching people I genuinely love and care about being mistreated. And not just, oh, he said something nasty to me the other day. That's bad enough. Okay, if you said something nasty to your brother uh and, and you don't feel like you need to go say, you know, say I'm sorry about it, then you need to go check your oil. Because you don't have the Holy Ghost. Because if I say something nasty, and it's happened, I'm not perfect. Remember, we talked about that. If I say something that's nasty to somebody, you know what happens immediately the Holy Ghost starts telling me, Jesse, that was terrible. You're better than this. Go
1: do something about that. Go fix it. Yeah. I've had to apologize
0: in front of entire churches before to people that have treated me like garbage. I had to apologize to them because I allowed their actions to make me hate them. And the Holy Ghost said, you can't
1: have hate in your heart. Make it right. So I did. Did it change them? No. It changed me. And I'm going to tell you right now,
0: that wasn't easy. And I don't take any glory from it at all. But it was the right thing to do. It's not easy to stand up and say, I don't agree. It's not easy to take a man that
1: everyone has faith in and look at him and say, he's a liar. But it's needed. Because if what we are truly after is the truth of God, then we can't have a lie standing before us. Ichabod. The glory departed, and it departed a long time ago. Now, I liked another thing
0: Brother Jordan said. see, this is what happens when when uh, your your brother goes before you, <laughs> he, he preaches on your stuff, and you go, oh, that's a really good point. I, I like that. I'm going to add that to mine.
1: <clears throat> he said, "This isn't normal. It's not normal." It, you know,
0: I, and I've learned this in churches that you go to. If the Lord tells you, okay, I don't want to be in this church or you don't need to be in this church. You need to go somewhere else. You get to still be close friends with the people in the church you left. That's not normal in my world. That's not been my uh, experience. My experience is if you disagree
1: with me, you're you're going to hell. That's all there is to it. Hey, It's, we, we did some stuff yesterday.
0: We spent most of the day with, with my aunt at her house and we worked on helping her put her floor in. And we had a, a bunch of brothers and sisters come and get together and we did that. And I sat back and I marveled at the love that was in that room. Yeah, we picked at each other. Yeah, we laughed and we had fun. And, and But there was so much love there. The people were willing to give up a whole Saturday to come and be in a hot place and do work. And a brother told us a little testimony. Something happened for him this week. And we rejoiced with him. See, that's something that I never grew up knowing about. That if somebody loves you, they will celebrate your victories. And they will mourn your losses. I grew up with people that if something good happened to you, they'd say stuff like, must be nice. Or, well, you don't need to testify about it because God does things for other people too. Jealousy. There's no room for jealousy in the body of Christ. No, the only thing that there's room for is this profound love that you have for one another. You love each other. You're not jealous. When you love each other, you're not sitting back and thinking, I, I can't wait for their day to come. Unless you're de- they're thinking, here's your day's come. Your ship's come in. Let's go. No, because a victory for my brother is a victory for me. God moving on behalf of my brother is a victory for me. He moved on my behalf because we're part of the same body. And I
1: love my brother. And I want nothing but good things for him.
0: You say, well... You just don't know. I do know. I know what it's like to be bitter. It's terrible. It's awful.
1: It'll ruin your health. The reason that all of these things happened,
0: the reason that the glory of God departed was because there were no good men to stand up and have a spine and say, no, this is wrong. You say, well, that's your opinion. It's not my opinion. It's a fact. I've seen it. I've been the one that nobody would stand up for. You say, "Oh, well, there's the truth of it then. No, I don't care. But the fact of the matter is, that when I see somebody who's in that situation, I'll move heaven and earth if I can to let them know that I'll stand with you because you're my brother. This wasn't right. What was done to you?
1: And try to heal together the things that were done. Say, that sounds
0: like a perfect world, Jesse. That's right, it is a perfect world because it's a perfect love. We don't have to accept the conditions of the world around us when we're in the body of Christ. We accept His world because we come into His kingdom. And we are supposed to not expect, we shouldn't expect anything less than perfect love. I know it's difficult sometimes. Hey, get me in the car and I'm not even the one driving and somebody cut us off. I have a really hard time. I have a hard time keeping that perfect
1: love. But it's it should be our constant goal. Because
0: the first thing that disappears when the glory of God fades and goes away is the love of God. And the love for his people. And when that goes away, it's time to run. It's time to leave. It doesn't matter if they kicked you out or forced you out or you just decided, I don't want to be here anymore. When the glory of God's departed, when there's no point in going to a building, get out. Go find where God is, look for his glory. Dwell in his glory. Find the people that are personifying Christ and be with them. Life is too short to be miserable. You know, the scripture actually says God is love. That's not just something a bunch of liberal Christians made up one day. Scripture says it, God is love. God isn't actually wrath. God is love. There is the wrath of God, but it's not what he's made of. And his wrath is not for his children and his believers. So what I learned from this story is that you have to stand up for what is right no matter the cost, to yourself. You've got to stand up for what is right. And by doing that, you will lose friends. You may even lose family. But it's better to lose those things and keep your integrity and keep your soul than to
1: compromise the truth for a lie and gain people's acceptance. Because people
0: are fickle. They'll accept you for this, and next day they'll find something they don't like about you and cut you out. That's just how people are. And that's, whether church, world, whatever, that's just people. But God isn't fickle. The truth is it doesn't change. What is righteous Does not change, and what it means to be righteous and holy is to stand for what is right and love one another with a fervent love, like it says in First Peter. Love for the brethren, an unfeigned, unfathomable, un—you know—completely remarkable love for one another. Say, I want the gifts in operation in my life. Pray for love. I I want to be able to prophesy. Pray for love. Pray for the love of God to enter your heart. And pray for it to not only stop there, but to flow out from you. So that when you flow your love to other people, guess what? The gifts, then they operate. I've been in churches for years where the gifts were not in operation. The leaders had no gift whatever whatsoever. They would say silly things like, "Well, I have wisdom." That was the silliest thing I ever heard because if you knew the man,
1: he didn't have any of that. That is not a gift. I have knowledge. That's not what the gift of knowledge is. The gift of knowledge is all
0: of a sudden you know something that you shouldn't know. There's no way on earth you should know this, but you know it. Not, oh, I I believe the message. That's my gift of knowledge. Come on, people. It's time to grow up. It's time to wake up. You know, and I posted that a few weeks ago, that God called... In a vision to Ezekiel, he called for dry bones to come alive. And he did. And that's what's happening now. Because I was the driest of the dry bones. I was dusty. I mean, I, 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 I would crumble because I wasn't being fed. And I, there was nothing but death in me. But praise God Almighty, he came with his life. And he breathed his life into my dry bones and I became alive again, and the sinew moved upon me, and the flesh moved upon my spirit, and I became what God wanted me to be. Oh, you're you're perfect now. No, I'm not perfect now. But I am His Son, and I recognize that.
1: You have to know who you are. Is that the time? Okay.
0: I'm sorry. Well, uh, God bless you all. I hope that something helped. I know sometimes I say things bluntly and harshly, but I'm not a, a, a harsh person. I'm not an evil man. And I want only the truth to come out straight is all I care about. I don't want there to be any ability to twist what I say. Because the truth is very important to me and I try to choose my words so that you you, you know exactly what I mean. And uh, sometimes my words are not nice words, but you know, the devil, he's not a very nice thing and I think it's okay to call him what he is. All right, God bless you all and uh, hope to see you all very soon either here or on the other side. Amen.